definitively once again here as Commissioner Silver. With the second pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Brandon Miller from the University of Alabama. That's where the drama began in the 2023 NBA draft, not with the first pick, as we talked about in our first segment. That was a foregone conclusion, as monumental as it may have been, but certainly the drama and the suspense surrounded picks two and three from the Hornets and the Blazers, and Mitch Kupchak had mentioned they had it down to two, still considering the possibility of a trade. That didn't happen, and the Hornets went with Alabama's Brandon Miller. Let's find out how that went down with our guy Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post, who has become a regular guest with us on the Sports Huddle here on 1061 ESPN, and we're glad he's back with us on this Friday afternoon. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fine, thanks. Appreciate some more time from you today to talk some more NBA. So how much suspense was there for you, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Hornets, Blazers, and how it went down last night with the second and third picks? We'll get back to number one a little bit later. Yeah, um, I think think even though the Hornets have LaMelo Ball, um, with them being in, in, in this state where it's going to be a while before they're a high-level contender, I would have just done, done the talent stacking thing and, and um, picked Scoot Henderson. Um, hmm. I just think flat out he's going to be – he's got more star potential um, than Brandon Miller. And, and uh, I think his skills um, – translate to high level play in the NBA quicker uh than, than Brandon Miller even though he's such a great shooter and so skilled uh so I, I thought that was a missed opportunity there by the Hornets to think differently but that, that said I understand it because it's a cleaner it's a cleaner type move uh the Portland Trailblazers were absolute winners in this and in, in getting um the kind of prospect that um, isn't going to come to Portland in free agency and is really hard to get your hands on in any draft. The problem with that becomes they 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 continue to be the land of little guards, and now they have three of them, three little guards who all want to score as many points as they possibly can if you include Dame and Anthony Simons with Scoot. And so something's got to give. Uh, it's time, as I wrote today, mm-hmm. uh, for Portland and for Damian Lillard to admit uh, that it's in the best interest of both of them to move on. Where do you think he would move on to? What would be the appropriate landing spots for for Dame? If, I, if I'm Dame um, and I'm the Miami Heat, I want to make that happen. I think the Heat have enough assets you know, in terms of um, uh, – getting clever about draft capital. They have Tyler Harrow or they have the expiring contract of, of Kyle Lowry, um, other guys like Duncan Robinson and such, like contract filler. I, I think they could make a deal there. Uh, Miami with uh, Dame as their best score to go with the substance, the all-around play that you get from um, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Uh, I really love that, that threesome. Um, and you know, because they're the Heat, they're going to continue to get value out of 
undrafted and second round picks and um, late first round picks and all of that. So I wouldn't have a any issue about them filling out the roster. They've been to the finals what two times in the last four years um, and really haven't come close to winning either. Uh, they got a talent problem. Uh, they don't have a coaching problem. Uh, they have two fine bookend stars with with, uh, with Butler and Bam, but they need more. And uh, especially now that Spo um, has been willing to alter his defensive system to play more zone, to get more skilled guys on the floor, um, Dan being not a great defender, uh, I think he he's figured out in his strategy how to manipulate that so you don't have to be a great defender at the point of attack. I think he'd just be, just be a fantastic uh, addition for the Miami Heat. And if he doesn't go to Miami, I think um, you know a team like the Brooklyn Nets um, are probably the best positioned uh, to go after him. But Brooklyn's had such bad luck when they've really tried to hit a home run and get a marquee star, especially one the ones who are on the other side of 30. Uh, so if I'm Brooklyn, I, I probably want to stay with, uh, you know, what they've been able to build post KD and Kyrie. Jerry, do you think the the Bla- I know you said you you know you felt like the Blazers won out on that thing. Do you think the Blazers were in that boat as well when they heard the name Brandon Miller go to the Hornets that they felt as good about that as you just articulated to us? Oh yeah, I think I think absolutely. Yeah, it, it opens up a whole boatload of troubles. They tried to trade that three pick. Nobody was going to give them a star who was worthy of um, giving up Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. But I think Scoot Henderson was the guy all along that they wanted, even if that means losing Dane. Uh, because, you know, now you look at them, Scoot, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, that's one hell of a young trio to build around. And if you, if you do wind up, uh, emotionally it would be difficult for Trailblazers fans um, but their run with Dame is over. They made the playoffs eight straight years with Dame, lost in the first round five of those times, only had advanced as far as the Western Conference Finals once, I believe, in 2019. Um, they've traded C.J. McCollum already. Uh, they, you know, the last two years, they're 60-104, and 104, um, haven't even come close to the playoffs, and Dame has missed a bunch of games now as he gets deeper into his 30s. Uh, He's one player. Like, it wouldn't be a Bradley Beal-type deal, right? Like, you would get multiple first-round picks per game. Hmm. Um, he just averaged 32 a game last year. Um, you would be able to get good value for him, even though he's got such a robust contract, and even though teams are afraid of, like, the new collective bargaining agreement. Um, you got those three guys, and then you get more draft assets, and then maybe you're back in the top five or six of the draft next year and you're able to get another player, preferably someone um, who plays, you know, in the post, uh, all of a sudden, like, I start looking at more pathways for the Blazers to keep their books in check and build a team that has momentum. What's not going to work is you can't have two timelines. Look at what the Warriors tried to do. And I know they won a title last year, but um, – now they're paying for the sins of instead of maximizing their window with Steph, Clay, Draymond, um, trying to like manipulate it and think about their future. Um, you can't plan for the future 
uh, when you're a championship team like they were trying to do. You need to pick one side. Um, and so if the, if the Warriors, who over the last decade have been better than anyone at this stuff, um, couldn't do it, you damn sure can't do it if you're the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> and you definitely don't want to do it um, when it's like a low ceiling to what you could do. Who wants to, to keep Dame? You're talking about um, paying Jeremy Grant five years for $150 million. Who wants to do that? He's a good player. <laughs> Not a hundred and fifty million dollar player. Nope. Um, trading um, Simons, trading two of the three Simon, Scoot, um, and Sharp to get another veteran. Um, why do you want to do that? Like, if, if, let's say, like by some miracle, you got Dame, Jalen Brown, and Jeremy Grant. You think that that threesome is going to beat the Denver Nuggets? You think that trio is going to beat the Phoenix Suns? <laughs> you know, uh, if the Warriors are healthy, you think that trio is going to beat the Warriors? You think that trio has more life than the Sacramento Kings now that they've reemerged? No. Um, so they would be trying to build something, and they would still wind up being no better than the fourth or fifth, sixth seed in the West. Um, and that's just like a, a, a mismanagement of resources. It's better mm-hmm. to get your entire team on the same timeline. Dame is, a, is at least four years older than your next oldest contributor. And for most of that roster, they're between 19 and 25. Dame's about to be 33. Uh, so, like, it's getting to the level where it's like, what, why would Dame – why do you want Dame to play with someone who could, you know, Good Anderson could damn near be his son. <laughs> so why would you want that? Um, and and then why would Dame want to play with a bunch of kids when in the NBA you know you got to suffer before you thrive? <laughs> you can read even more of Jerry Brewer's perspective on Dame Lillard and Scoot Anderson and the Trailblazers. Uh, catch his column in this morning's Washington Post and online at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. All right, let's go back up to the top then, Jerry, to uh, where there was no suspense. The Victor Wembanyama picked by the San Antonio Spurs. In your estimation, how generational of a talent is this that the Spurs now have? Oh, man, you know, I've never seen a player uh, with, with his skill set, you know, legitimate guard skill set and someone who they're saying is seven foot five uh, in shoes. Um, you know, the, the problem, you obviously worry about a guy who can move like that, you know, on that frame, like will his frame be sturdy enough? But let's say he is going to be healthy enough to have a 10-year career, um, at least. I, I think you're talking about, all-star MVP candidate, you know, um, best player on a, on a championship team, maybe best player on a team that has a, has a chance to be a dynasty. If you build around him properly, he's that good. I mean, we've seen LeBron, um, you know, people old enough. Remember, uh, when, when Kareem, when Lou Alcindor, uh, came to the NBA, um, we, we remember Shaq and what, what a phenomenon he was. We remember, um, and Tim Duncan coming to, to get with David Robinson and, and, and forming that Twin Towers, uh, Olajuwon, Kevin Durant, um, you, you just uh, Patrick Ewing. 
you go down the list of, of like these phenoms who are incredibly hyped coming in and they all become good players. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the ones who don't, uh, are like, uh, Walton because he was hurt, but, but Walton was a great player and influenced the championship team, um, when he was healthy. Uh, and, and, uh, Ralph Sampson, um, you know, the knee and, you know, injuries kind of got to him, but was Ralph Sampson not great, uh, when he was healthy? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't see a scenario with this kid on how we look back and, and be like, oh man, that was a bust like Darko Milicic. Um, no, I think he's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do worry about how tremendous and over the top this, this, this hype is. You know, like, I mean, we got ESPN reporters, we got Marty Smith shaving his image into his head and wearing jorts and all this stuff um, at a, at a San Antonio party. And it's just like, man, like, um, like let's, let's have some nuance here. Um, there are some steps to this, that this guy is going to have to go through. Let's not treat him like he's going to come in and be top five in the MVP in year one, but he could be the rare rookie who is an all-star mm-hmm. um, as a rookie. Um, I definitely could see that. Um, so I'm excited for him. I just like, I, I think the NBA is just, um, there's no middle ground. You're, you're either hot or you're not. They either love you or they hate you. And I'm interested to see how he manages all that. But he's something that we haven't seen on the floor. And in terms of like his mass appeal, I think he could be a central figure in getting basketball a little closer to soccer worldwide as, as the most popular sports in the world. And he's only 19 years old for, to yes. prove as well. <laughs> really. I crazy. mean, just and great temperament. Yep. Uh, he's not boring. Like, like, like Duncan, we'll see if the Spurs <laughs> like spurify him, Yeah. but uh, he's just compelling. Like, I think we're going to turn on the TV. If he's good, I think we're going to turn on the TV and see him in like every ad. And I think people are going to like him. Jerry, he was one of uh, one, two, three, five of the top seven picks were non-college guys. Now, after that, the college guys pretty much dominated. But is that something that we're going to continue to see from NBA teams, that they're going to, they're going to look to G League guys, to the, these organizations like Overtime Elite, to find these young, quote-unquote, generational talents? Yeah, it was interesting to see that top four, right? Like, I mean, it, the, the top four – the top fives, and let's count the Thompson twins as a package. You know that 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 was from four different leagues. You know mm-hmm. the the French league, and then the uh, G League at night. Um, uh, Brandon Miller being a college player, the Thompson twins being from overtime elite. Uh, it used to be that like college was the dominant pathway uh, to being a lottery pick, and like I still think college is the preferred route if you're going to be a first rounder in the NBA. Um, but yeah, we're going to see more of this man. Like it, it's uh, definitely like in terms of how you develop prospects, it's been decentralized and college basketball. Like that's another conversation for later, but they need to adjust to that. Um, if you want to continue to have a compelling product, uh, but um, it's it's interesting. Like it, it in some ways, it, it's kind of minimized like the mass appeal to an American audience of the draft because we just don't see most of these guys. 
but I think they can they can correct that with with TV contracts and streaming options and, and those kinds of things. So if more guys go to different places, so that we're able to see that. But it's 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 a new day. Like I, I never thought we would see a day this soon when you would sit down with a prospect and let's say the prospect has good enough grades to go to Duke, Stanford, you know, Harvard, wherever. And you're sitting there and, and, and like the kid actually loves school and all that, but you're telling him, Hey man, uh, it might be better for you not to go to school. <laughs> like, I mean, just take, take classes in the summer, but you're not playing college basketball. You know, you're going to go play, mm-hmm. um, G league at night for these coaches, or you're going to go, uh, like, like, like LaMelo did to Australia and play against the pros. Um, or, um, you're just going to go straight from high school to, to, to the Euro league. Because it's just better for you. Um, it's uh, the way the way players access the NBA is more diverse than it's ever been, and there's going to be a big, big battle over the next decade over um, which which league has the best plan to attract um, those kids. And I think like um, TV TV contracts are going to play a, a big role in that. And so the NCAA better get its act together. They better watch out um, because you want to protect that product. Hey, one more for you, Jerry. Appreciate the time on this Friday afternoon. Jerry Brewer with the Washington Post. And I always identify you as that because that's accurate. But I always remind our audience that you're a national sports reporter for the Washington Post. But I am going to close with you today and bring it a little bit closer to our region and back home and what you think of what the Washington Wizards are doing with their franchise and their organization right now in blowing it up, uh, whether it's Beal, Porzingis, uh, Chris Paul, who was there for you know the blink of an eye, Jordan Poole, draft picks, what the Washington Wizards are doing to you know try to reinvent themselves no matter how many years it's literally going to take them. Man, I tell you what, I love Michael Winger and Will Dawkins. Um, I some of the things that they've done in dismantling this team, um, they, they've had to pay for the sins of, of uh, Tommy Shepard and, and um, of Ted Leontis for um, uh, wanting it the way that it used to be in terms of um, not not being able to get a get a first round pick directly um, in the in the Beal trade um, because of the no trade clause and all that. Like that's a tough L and and. Um, uh, I think they did a good job, like working off of the Porzingis deal, like getting what they could, but it's still not sexy, right? Like those are just more like we value just resetting our franchise, and so they did that. And like people who like want to judge the entire history of it are going to look at that and be like, "Man, what a terrible return they got for these guys." I look at it as just a freedom mission, and uh, I think it's good that. They've started this thing off by getting free of all of those obligations. Now, what they did in the draft, you know, starting with uh, Bilal, the, the, the French wing, um, who was a total upside guy, uh, and then also going on, on um, you know, I know I won't go through all their picks, but the Serbian kid they took in the second round, um, really, really skilled and intriguing. Uh, Will Dawkins is doing uh, – what he helped Sam Presti do in Oklahoma City. They're taking big swings um, with their kinds of guys. You know, um, 
Some of them are defensive guys. Some of them are just unorthodox talents. Um, and they're going to see if that can, that can bear fruit. Uh, they know that this is going to be a process. The problem is, is that um, we can be so fascinated with what's going to happen, what they're doing off the court. When we actually look at the on-court product, they're going to stink. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're going to have a hard time winning like 20 games next year. <laughs> it's going to be really difficult. Like when you look at that roster, it's going to be like Jordan Poole shooting 11s for 29 every night and everybody else just doing whatever, like yeah. just develop. Uh, it's not going to be a good product. Um, but I think long-term, this is a direction that I wish they had gone in three, four years earlier. Uh, and I think it's going to bear fruit because I think Will Dawkins knows talent. I would not be surprised if this uh, Bilal, the, this fast-rising French kid, if his body... Uh-oh. Right now. There we go. Sorry about that. You cut out just before that last sentence, but I think we understood where you were headed with that for sure. And I love your perspective on you know short-term and long-term uh, for the Washington Wizards. So I appreciate your analysis of that as well. Jerry, appreciate a lot of time today with the draft and everything else that we've covered and certainly through the NBA playoffs all the way to the finals and the Nuggets winning the thing. Uh, look forward to catching up with you here in the near future. Give you a little bit of a break to catch your breath a little bit as we get into summer. But thank you, as always, for your time on our program. Really appreciate it, Jerry. All right, that sounds good, man. Take it easy. You got it. You too. Take it easy. You've been working hard. Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post, who knows what he's on to next, but he's certainly been on the NBA beat for quite some time now as he covers the national sports scene for the Washington Post. What a great gig that is. And, again, the great perspective he gave us on the Trailblazers, on Pick and Scoot, on Damian Lillard's days numbered. Uh, you can read his entire article washingtonpost.com slash sports at jerry brewer on twitter the headline was great too trailblazers send unthinkable message to damian lillard time to scoot period all right that gets us to a break 439 already we'll catch up as we get you towards the top of the hour and a five o'clock on a friday afternoon it's right there within our eyesight and it's coming quick and we're coming back after the break on 1061 espn